Welcome to the Greg Varner and Associates Podcast. I'm your host, JC Fisher. With more than 20 years of legal experience, we strive to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. It's our goal to keep listeners informed on legal issues affecting our communities and your life, liberty, and property. The information provided on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. All content is for general informational purposes only. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. Visit our website at www.gregbarnerlaw.com. In light of recent news, we've decided to release an early episode about Brady material. A judge last Monday approved a motion by prosecutors to vacate the murder conviction of Adnan Sayed, the subject of the first season of the popular serial podcast, who has maintained his innocence since the 1999 slaying of his ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee. Baltimore prosecutors filed the motion last week asking for a new trial for Syed, who has been serving a life sentence after he was convicted of first-degree murder, robbery, kidnapping, and false imprisonment in connection of the killing with Heyman Lee. In explaining her decision to vacate, Baltimore City Circuit Court Judge Melissa Finn cited material in the state investigation that was not properly turned over to defense attorneys, as well as the existence of two suspects who may have been improperly cleared as part of the investigation. Now, one thing that they cited was a potential Brady violation. Greg, would you explain to the listeners, what is Brady material? A Brady violation occurs when the prosecution fails to disclose what is called exculpatory evidence. Exculpatory evidence is evidence that shows someone is not guilty or that a witness may have told a different story at a previous time or there's a reason to impose a lower sentence. So exculpatory and Brady material kind of includes all of that. And it's somewhat is important to know that the background here is that in criminal cases, it's completely different than in any civil case for discovery and learning about the case of the other side. So for instance, when I, when I was 19, I was involved in a, I ran into the back of a car, no damage to either vehicle. And at the time, nobody was injured. But about two years later, I got sued and my insurance company, of course, came in and defended me. But the other side was able to do depositions where they made me come to the lawyer's office and testify to what happened. I was required to answer interrogatories, all these details about the event and what I was being accused of. So that is in a civil case. That is different than in a criminal case. You could be charged with murder and the district attorney or prosecutors are only required to give you a narrow set of things. As defense attorneys, we're not allowed to do interrogatories or depositions or requests for production. That's just not allowed in criminal court. And so the rules of criminal procedure only require the district attorney to produce a very narrow set of things. So a lot of my clients are often very surprised to learn that we're not able to learn about witness statements that the investigators or the district attorney have taken. That is not something we get, and it's not something I can compel them to produce to us. 
So in criminal court, what evidence that you get from the prosecutor is usually very limited. And sometimes you have to prepare a defense somewhat blindly from what the prosecutors may have. And that's the reason that Brady material is so important. And the reason it's called Brady is it is the Supreme Court decision out of, it was called Brady versus Maryland. And the Supreme Court said it's a violation of the due process clause of the 14th Amendment to allow the district attorney to withhold evidence that might help the defense in their case. And so in that instance, Brady was charged with murder and he had a co-defendant that was also charged with the same murder. And his defense was, I didn't do it. The co-defendant is the one that murdered and shot the guy. Well, the prosecutors didn't tell him and give him evidence that his co-defendant had actually admitted in an interview that he was the shooter. And so later, his appellate attorneys actually learned that this was the case. And so the Supreme Court said the prosecutors should have turned over that information to him because it would have bolstered his case at trial. And now we have what is called Brady rules, and we still struggle with defining that. And so this is the the real reason that Brady is helpful and can be powerful, but Brady is dependent upon the prosecutors to decide whether they're going to give us that information or not, or whether it exists. Because I have no right to review the prosecutor's files or the investigator's files to see if there's any material that might help our case. The judge is not able to look at the prosecutor's files to determine those things anyway. So uh, with Brady material, you don't know if it exists. And we have to rely upon the prosecutor's good faith And most prosecutors are of good faith, but there are bad apples there too. There are those that really take the, you know, their job in a position that they, they, they want to get a conviction at all cost. And so they sometimes don't disclose it. And that's what brings us to the Adnan Syed case is here. He, he's been in prison for 23 years. You had trials, multiple post-conviction hearings, multiple appeals, And so there have been dozens and dozens of prosecutors that have been been involved in prosecuting the case. And it's only now that a new prosecutor has been elected in Baltimore that did a review of the file and discovered that there were this Brady material or evidence about two other possible suspects one of which had threatened the victim in the case, and that would have dramatically helped the defense at the trial. So this isn't the first time in this particular case that they've violated Brady. A lot of the case involved the uh, cell phone technology, and one of the things that the prosecution didn't produce before was the reports from the cell phone company that said, uh, this is not to be used for geo-tracking. It's only identification of when a call was made. But the prosecutors held out that report from the defense that limited its impact or the, the potency of the evidence and just gave over to the court 
this other information that's made it much more powerful at trial. But again, that's the reason that I'm intrigued with this case is here we are at 23 years. How many prosecutors saw this Brady material in the file and it's only now that it's being disclosed to the defense? You know, Adnan has been incarcerated for 23 years now. What do you think sparked the prosecutor to review the file again? Well, this case has had... Uh, at least three podcasts that I know of that have, has, have examined it through the years. The hero of this case, in my mind, is Rabia Chaudhry. So she's the one that instigated the calls to the serial producers. Then she started her own podcast, and that spread out into some others. And so there's now an HBO special that even discovered new things that the podcast had not developed. So I think that Adnan's current post-conviction attorneys have continued to seek reviews of this information by the prosecutors and have continued to push it forward. So probably with the election of a new prosecutor, they took a new look at it and then evidently discovered it and finally came forward with this new information. I agree. I think that if Serial had not taken off the way it did, and if Sarah and Rabia had not pursued this story so diligently, uh, there wouldn't have been enough curiosity for people to continue going back and reviewing a 23-year-old file. What are examples of material that may speak to the defendant's innocence? Some examples of cases you've had in the past uh, that, that speak to that material. Okay, so Brady goes to uh, information that is in the hands of the prosecutors or the law enforcement investigators that, one, may show someone is not guilty or may show that they're not guilty of what they've been charged with but may only be charged with something lesser, so a lesser offense. It also includes, and this is technically called Giglio material, but it's under Brady, and that is anything where a witness has changed a story or anything that we can use to impeach their testimony. And that's just a fancy legal word, which means to challenge their credibility because they've changed their stories at different times of the investigation. Those are your primary ones on the guilt phase of the case, but there, Brady also applies to information that goes to help us at sentencing. So for instance, in the Brady case itself, that was information that his defense attorneys could have used to argue to the jury at sentencing, not just at the guilt phase, but at sentencing, that he should not have received the same penalty as the actual shooter and that he should have received a lesser sentence. That also is Brady material. Now, the typical ones that we run into are things, changes of stories that witnesses or complaining witnesses have made, prior convictions on the district attorney's witnesses, showing that there may not be the most credible witnesses along the way. Also, I've had a case where the witness was not able to testify and could not remember the facts of the case. That came up later to be produced to us. Uh, and again, that, would, that helps us know 
about what are the chances of this witness if they can't remember what actually happened? How will they testify at trial except what they've been told supposedly happened? So that's a, a specific instance where we've received uh, Brady material late in the game and it altered the, the course of the case. But how could something like this happen over a 23-year period? Well, in this case, I think that there's, in my mind, there is very little possibility that there were prosecutors that did not see this material and decide intentionally not to produce it. When it's been, had that big of exposure, that many prosecutors in the file, that somebody did not find that that was there. So I don't know there. Uh, my, my suspicion is that there was some gamesmanship and just the whole, you, you get bought into your case and it becomes not a pursuit of justice, but a pursuit of convictions. And that can happen. Uh, but I would say most of the time, uh, while the duty is on the prosecutor to find Brady material, and that means asking all the officers for these things, it requires a lot of work on behalf of the prosecutors, but also law enforcement to know what the rules are. And so here you have all these investigations going on. They may have interviewed a bunch of different people They'll focus in on a particular defendant, and a lot of times they may discount pieces of testimony or evidence that they gather that don't meet with their cognitive focus right then. Well, those are the pieces of information that become Brady material. Well, they discounted it as that's not important because it doesn't show that he's guilty, but that's the kind of information that we need to defend our clients. And so generally, what I think is there's just a disconnect between the prosecutors and law enforcement on knowing what they're required to do, what their obligations are, and how broad Brady is. There's a lot of information. It is a rare occasion that I get material from a prosecutor that shows that my client should receive a lesser sentence, things that he did well, or that he's not as bad as the facts may reveal. That's Brady. There may have been things that developed in the, their investigations that showed some explanation for things that happened here. Again, I understand that they've got a lot of cases to prosecute, but they have a duty to interview their investigators, their police officers, their witnesses, to find out, do these things exist? Uh, so that's generally where I would say the, the problem is, is that, um, and then there's no accountability. It's a rare occasion that you have, a, a, that people find it. That's all, I'm always amazed on these cases where there is a Brady found post-conviction. It's not like we get open access after the case is over. These, the defense didn't get open access to these files. It was because the prosecutor took it upon herself to look for this new information and to give it a fresh look. So how many people have been convicted and are in prison and nobody has the ability to discover the possible Brady violation? Do you think that this speaks to a larger systemic issue? Oh, I do think it's systemic. It's just that there's no rules that come into play other than our basic discovery. And then there's no ability to examine what the prosecutors have decided was not exculpatory or information. Discoverable. Right. It's 
wholly on one side, they're able to call the fouls. Mm. I did find this interesting. In 2020, the report by the National Registry of Exonerations, these are the people that keep up with all the people that have been shown to not be guilty as a result of DNA. They weren't set aside by little tricks or technicalities. They were proven by DNA to not have been convicted. Of the 2,400 exoneration cases that have been found since the advent of DNA, it found that in 44% of those cases, there was Brady material that was not turned over. Mm. That's a lot. I do think there is somewhat of an epidemic, and I hope the courts look to begin requiring different procedures for producing more material, making this a little more like a civil case. That's my hope, is that we move a little bit more in that direction, whereas if I am charged with the possibility of going to prison for life, that I have the ability to make sure that I've had due process at making sure that my defense counsel were able to fully defend me rightly. Do you have any advice for defense attorneys that are pursuing Brady material or that don't know that they need to be pursuing Brady material? Well, we're pretty aggressive with pursuing discovery. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> so. So number one, you file your motions for discovery. You file your separate motions to produce. So for instance, it is a regular occurrence that we have cases where we're pretty sure there's body camera footage that's present that we don't get it initially. And so we'll file a motion to produce with the court to say, judge, it looks like there's body camera footage here. Uh, there should be. Can you force them, order them to produce it? And then the judge will enter an order and we'll get the body camera footage. So you have to be very diligent about pursuing it. Now, we sort of try to do a, a sort of sep second step is a motion for Brady material where if there's things we think are there, we're putting notice to the DA and the judge that we want these specific things that might be there. We don't know, but we want you to go look, Mr. Prosecutor or Mrs. Prosecutor. We want you to go look and, and ask your officers, are any of these things present? Uh, the other way is that you use every method of getting in information in your investigation. So the investigation is much broader than the rules of discovery. And so that we're capable of using subpoenas, of using Freedom of Information Act requests to seek additional information in our investigation that's outside of the rules of discovery because that rules of discovery really just apply between us and the prosecution. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. I know you mentioned that they're probably going to retest the DNA evidence, see if it matches any of the two suspects, and hopefully her family gets justice as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Music from this podcast is provided by Luke Holt from Coletta Valley. The song is called Stare at the Dark. Listen to Coletta Valley on Spotify and Apple Music. Do you have a legal issue you'd like us to cover? Send episode suggestions to our Instagram at Greg Varner Law or on Facebook at Gregory Varner and Associates. 
check out our website at www.gregfarnerlaw.com.